1 Kings chapter number 12, and we'll look at verse number 25. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse number 25. The Bible said, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from thence, and, and built Penuel. Verse number 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you once again for the privilege to be able to stand and preach the Word of God. I pray now, Lord, that you'll look beyond our fault and see our need today. God, help us. Lord, we realize that we're needy people and we're helpless and hopeless without you. I pray for a special touch, a special anointing, God, that would bring glory and honor to your name. May, Lord, may we not see ourselves. And God, I pray that you'll not leave us to ourselves this morning. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I want you to look at verse number 28 this morning. And the message may be short, but it is what is on my heart this morning, where the Bible says in verse number 28, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, notice this phrase here, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And I want you to pay careful attention to that phrase where the king says it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Now, we we know that Jerusalem is that place where God established in the nation of Israel for worship. Amen. It was where they, they went to. It was where the house of God was. It was the place that uh, that God had chosen to put his name. And they would come there for, for one purpose in mind and that was to worship. And so Jeroboam in our text here, you know the kingdom has been divided and the ten northern tribes are now under the reign of King Jeroboam and the two southern tribes are under the, the reign of Rehoboam. And so Jeroboam realizes in this text here that if he doesn't do something, the nation has been divided politically, but it's still united religiously. And he knows that if he doesn't do something very quickly, that there is a possibility because worship under the God, the true God, you know what it always does? It brings everybody together. Amen? If you could get everybody on the same page and everybody worshiping the true God in the way that we're supposed to, it will bring revival to this country once again. And Jeroboam realizes that. And so he comes to this conclusion here uh, that he's got to make it more easier uh, for them to come and to worship. There's a lot of things that he could have done. He could have said, now it's foolish for you to leave where you're at and to go to Jerusalem and you don't need to do that. But he was too smart for that. He realized that if he made that approach, uh, they would realize that he was trying to deceive them. He could have went and he could have said, 
said, well, uh, I forbid you. He could have demanded that they not go down uh, to Jerusalem and to worship. And they probably would have rose up and revolted and went against him. But he used a different tactic. It's one that the devil is using even today amongst the people of God. He just simply uh, sympathized with them and made it easy for them to worship where they was at rather than make the sacrifice and go to Jerusalem. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on Easy Street. Amen? Easy Street. Because I want to tell you that's what Jeroboam did in our text. Uh, He just made it more easy for them to stay home and worship than what it was for them to get up uh, and to go down to the place where God had established for them to worship. Amen? I tell you, we're living on Easy Street in our country today. You say, well now, Brother Gravely, there's a, a lot of things been turned upside down with this virus and everything, and I understand that. But do you understand that we still got it better in America today than, my friend, two-thirds or more around this world? Amen. What we call uncomfortable and most nations and countries around this world would call luxury. Amen. God, as they sung earlier, has been real good to us. Amen. He has blessed us. He has been good to us. And our worst day in America is still a thousand times better than living behind the Iron Curtain or living in Red China or living in some communist or some third world country where we don't know where we're going to get our next meal. I'm telling you, God has been good to us. Amen. It ought to never be quiet in the house of God. I think it's a sin to sit in church, Brother Micah, and not say amen or raise your hand or nod your head or smile at the truth. You know why? Because God has been good to you and me. We don't deserve to be sitting here this morning. It's not I got to go to church. It's I get to go to church. I'm telling you, I'm with you, Brother Barnes. May we be in the house of God all the days of our life. If I get to where I can't walk put me in a wheelchair uh, and somebody push me to the house of God uh, uh, bring me down the aisle uh, and get me as close to the pulpit as I can get uh, uh, where the fire of God is at. Uh, I'm talking about listen I want to be here all the days of my life. I'm telling you I don't want easy street do you? And when I think about this text this morning, I see the construction in verse number 25. Jeroboam built, she- uh, he built Shechem in the Mount of Ephraim. He dwelt therein and he built, and he went out from thence and he built Penuel. Now, the problem in this text is, is that Jeroboam has got his eyes on what he has done and what he has built rather than what God has built. You know, I think there's a lot of places today that's just like that. They don't care about what God can do. They don't care about what the glory of God, the presence of God, the power of God. They got their eyes on what they built. They got their eyes on, on what they've done. I'm going to tell you something. You can burn this church to the ground. You can bulldoze it over. You can bury it out there in the field somewhere. So, but all it is is just a building. Amen. I think we ought to reverence the house of God. We ought to respect the house of God. But you know this brick and mortar and sheetrock and studs is not that this is not the church. Amen. You're looking at the churches morning to you and I. Amen. I see here the construction. You've got to look past the construction. He couldn't see the big picture. I see the conspiracy and Jeroboam said in his heart now shall the kingdom return to the house of David if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem then shall the heart of this people turn again unto the Lord even unto Jeroboam king of Judah or Rehoboam king of Judah and they shall kill me and go against to Rehoboam king or go again to Rehoboam king of Judah do you realize in this text here the conspiracy 
started in the heart of this king. And in this conspiracy, he's really concerned only about one person, and that's himself. He's not concerned about the people. He's not concerned about Jehovah. He's not concerned about worship. He's just concerned about number one. Can I tell you, if you and I are not careful, number one will get in the way of what God wants to do in a church. Amen. This church is not about the pastor. This church is not even about the people. Isn't that right? It's not about my plan. It's not about my program. It's not about yours. It's not about making me happy. It's not about making you happy. It's about doing the will of God. Isn't that right? This church is about one person this morning. I want to keep it that way. Amen. There's no who's who in this church. There's nobody. Listen, there's no daddy rabbit in this church. There's nobody running the show in this church. Doesn't matter if you're a banker or a beggar this morning. It doesn't matter if you live in a big house or a little house. It doesn't matter if your tithing check is $10 or $1,000. It doesn't matter. It loses its identity when it goes in that offering plate. You're not given to me and I'm not given to you, but we're given unto him. Amen. As long as he gets the glory, as long as it's about him, we're not singing to each other. We're not performing. Somebody say, Man, I'm not preaching for a pat on the back. I'm not preaching for a crispy handshake. Now, if you only give me one, I'm not going to get mad about it. Amen. But I'm not preaching for one this morning. I'm telling you, God signs our paycheck. He takes care of you and he takes care of me. And it's all about him. Amen. You know, I've seen people come through this church that had great ability. Had great talent, no doubt about it, but they didn't stay. Somebody get me some water if you would, my brother. Uh, They didn't stay. You know why? Because we wouldn't make it about them. Amen. It's not going to be about them. Can I get a witness right there? It's all got to be about him. I've seen people come through. I remember one time we had a group come through here. It's been many enough years. I, I probably know more than 10, 15 people here to even remember this, if they remember it. But we was over in that building, and uh, I was preaching up in uh, uh, Dayton, Tennessee, and a, a singing group, you know, was there in that service. Thank you, brother. And uh, they were, and the, you know, I'm not against, uh, I'm not against uh, people, family singings. You know what I'm saying? And, and some groups, uh, uh, but I'm against most of them. Somebody say, Amen. I mean, 99% of them. And I mean, if you want to go down there, downtown, whatever they call the place, you know, and pay $15 for some Saturday night entertainment and, and hear somebody sing some gospel music, I'm not going to preach against that. Not today. <laughs> Amen. If you want to waste your, I mean, if you want to spend your $15. Help yourself. I mean, it's better than a lot of stuff you could be doing. Isn't that right? I'm not against that. But I'm telling you, listen, when they pull up, I was going home the other Sunday, and a little old church on the side of the road, uh, uh, you know, and uh, uh, listen, that the church probably wasn't, uh, it probably wasn't 50 feet long, Brother Haney, and the bus that was parked in front of the church was almost as long as the church itself. Uh, I'll tell you, listen, they had the audacity, they pulled it right smack dab in the front door, and it had been sitting there. I mean, you couldn't even see the church uh, for the bus. Now, if I'd have been the pastor, and I'm not, I'd have said, move the bus, amen, uh, but you know what? Listen, we're not into performance. Somebody say amen. I was preaching up in uh, Dayton, Tennessee, and a group was there. And boy, I mean, they had talent. They could sing. They had great ability. All of them had tremendous voices. I mean, they did. But they knew they had tremendous voices. And they got up and they performed. And if it was a show, it would have been a great performance. 
And after the service, we was eating in Fellowship Hall. He said, you know, we moved to Rossville, Georgia, just like a few weeks ago. I said, really? They said, yeah, and we're looking for a good church to work out of. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, so I didn't say anything. I was trying to be cordial. I didn't say nothing. I thought, they're not going to show up. Well, they came the next Sunday night. And uh, I said, Lord, help me. I want to be kind. I mean, these are good people. I don't want to be, but it ain't going to work. Amen. It just ain't going to work. And, and so finally they said, well, uh, what do you think about us joining the church? I said, well, brother, I said, here's the thing. I said, if I sing you, you got to be here. you got to be faithful. Can I get a witness on that? I said, word folks are church singers, and and uh, you know, I, and so, and, and it was a very cordial conversation. They didn't join, obviously, you know that. They went somewhere else, but I wanted to be kind to them. But you know, it's just a difference. But I'm saying, hey, listen, it's got to be about the Lord. Is that right? I mean, if the singers get up here and it's about them, if the preacher gets up here and if the sermon's about me, uh, then God don't get the glory. Amen? If I'm the hero of every story, which I'm not, somebody say amen. If I am, it's not true. Just go ahead and mark it down. Uh, But if I'm the hero of every story, then God's not getting the glory. Isn't that right? And I'm telling you, friend, we're living in that day and time where a lot of people get up uh, and they make the service about them. They make the song about them. They make the sermon about them. Hey, that was his problem here. He was worried about number one. You know what I found out? If we'll just focus on him and if we'll worship him and if we'll put him first in our life, you know what? He will take care of us. Amen. He will make a way for us even when there is no way. God knows how to make a way. Amen. I see here the conspiracy. I see here the corruption. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy God's, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. What a lie that was. Behold thy God's. If they should have known anything about golden, if any crowd should have known anything about golden calves, it should have been this crowd. Amen. They should have known it got them in trouble the first time and it'd get them trouble in the second time. I'm talking about the corruption. Can I tell you something about the devil? He don't ever change his tricks. He don't ever change. He's using the same tactics and the same tricks today. My friend, to pull men away from God as he was back there and all Rehoboam needed to do, it wasn't about the calves. You know what it was? It was about making worship easy for the people so that they wouldn't go somewhere else. Is that not where we're at today? The worldliness of our churches is so that worship does not have a demand upon it. They want to have services and preaching and, and singing that, that requires no cost. It requires no commitment. It requires uh, no confrontation. Preachers have learned uh, how to dance around sin and dance around with a sermon and talk rather than preach. Hey, I still want a preacher uh, to get up and take the Bible and just pull both hammers back uh, and just fire both barrels at the same time. Uh, I'm telling you, there's been times every one of us men of God know we've been called upon to preach a sermon and we weren't preaching to somebody. We just wasn't preaching around them. Amen? And we just knew that we had to preach what God had told us to preach. And I said, Lord, I know so-and-so ain't going to like this. And Lord, they're going to think I'm preaching to them. And God said, you are preaching to them. I've told you what to say, and they need to hear it. Hey, that's the kind of church I want to go to is where the preacher will preach what God tells him to preach. Amen? Amen? 
Brother, I'm telling you, listen, it doesn't matter if it makes me mad or makes me sad or makes me glad. At least I heard what God wanted me to hear. Listen, you can't go to church all your life and enjoy every single sermon. Now, come on. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, listen, don't think you're so clean and holy and righteous uh, that you're just going to go to church every time and you're just going to sit there and say amen to everything the preacher said and nothing's going to hit you. Hey, if that's the case, you're in the wrong church, friend. Is that right? And a man asked me one time, he said, what would you do if your daughter went to church for 14 years and never heard one sermon on hell? I said, I would exit that very quickly. I'd find me another place to worship. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, listen, everybody needs to hear about hell. Everybody needs to know there's a heaven to gain, a hell to shut. Everybody needs to go to church and feel condemned about sin. As I said the other day, I don't want to be sheared every service and every Sunday. Amen. But can I tell you something? There's never a sermon that I preach preach to you that what God don't work in my own life about that. What Jeroboam wanted to do was let's just make it easy. Let's put everybody on easy street. Let's make it to where you can stay at home in your pajamas and sip on your coffee and watch it online. Somebody say amen. Now, brother, listen, I know we have to do what we have to do during this time frame, but we ought to be striving. We ought to be working. And I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you on purpose. I know there's people that's got physical problems there, and I'm not condemning them. They don't need to be here until they feel like they need to be here. Never thought I'd say that in my life. Amen. Did you ever think you'd hear me stand in church and say, if you don't feel good about coming, don't come? No. Listen, the way I pastor is, if you miss, I want you to feel t- terrible about it I mean that I mean if you got a hundred and three degree temperature don't come but feel terrible about not coming so bridge I couldn't come I know but I want it to be where when you see me you kindly like this I want there to be a little bit of guilt about missing church Hey, well, a few uh, weeks back, I got terribly sick, went to the doctor. It wasn't COVID-19. Somebody say amen. Uh, but I had the stomach flu. And uh, he said, you got the stomach flu. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I went. I, I didn't. was not able to come to church on Sunday. I read my Bible. I'm not bragging on the flesh. I'm just making an illustration. I'd read my Bible. I listened to preaching online, listened to a liberal preacher on the radio, got mad at what he said. Amen. I mean, I listened probably to more preaching that day than if I'd have been at church myself. But can I tell you something? I felt terrible all day long because y'all were here singing and somebody else was doing the preaching and I wasn't here to see everything that was going on. And don't you hate it when you miss church and somebody says, man, you missed a good one. Don't that just make you mad? I'm like, just keep it to yourself. (laughs) But I'm talking about, hey, church, there's no sacrifice. Coming to church is not a sacrifice. Can I get a witness? Well, I tell you, preacher, getting out of the bed, going to Sunday school on 10 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, you ought to be out of the bed before 6 o'clock anyway. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? Come on now. I mean, if the sun comes up, get up. Amen. That's just the way it is. Uh, I mean, that's the way you ought to be. Now, some of you got mad when I said that. But, hey, listen, it ain't helping you to sleep two hours extra. You don't look no better sleeping two hours longer than if you'd have got up before the sun come up. Amen. But I'm shocked at people. They come dragging in at 1030 and won't come to Sunday school. Y'all still with me, right? Boy, I'd love to have Sunday school right now, wouldn't you? I had a preacher tell me years ago, he said, I, I don't get much out of Sunday school. I said, well, 
He said, it's just a tradition. I said, so is brushing your teeth. It's a tradition. Not every tradition is a bad tradition. I said, brother, Sunday school is an extra hour to hear the Word of God. I want to be present for that, don't you? I'm preaching on Sunday school, and we don't even have one right now. I'm talking about, hey, I'm talk, talking about we, we've made it so easy for people. There will be churches that will never go back to having Sunday night services. It's the opportunity of a lifetime for them. It's what they've been on. There'll be some they'll never have Wednesday night service again. You know why? Because they've got the perfect reason to never have it again. I'm going to tell you something. It's like somebody's already testified this morning. It's not the closer we get to Jesus coming, the less we go to church. It's the closer we get, the more. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I need church more now than I've ever needed it in all my life. I, I know the circumstances may be somewhat different. But I'm telling you, every time the doors are open, I want to come. I want to be in the house of God. I'd like Brother Barnes said this morning, I'm not looking for easy street. Listen, we ought to, this is a blessing to be here this morning. Talking about the corruption. Always, it's too much. It's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too much for the preacher to ask you to sing in the choir. It's too much for, for the preacher to ask you to come Sunday morning and then Sunday night. It's too much for the preacher to ask you to go out on soul winning visitation. It's too much for the preacher to ask you uh, to continually give to missions. And then when missionaries, I think one's coming by tonight, and uh, uh, to continually give to missionaries and then and then take up special offerings on top of that for, for missionaries when they just drop in. It's too much for special offerings. Have you ever noticed the people who gripe the most about giving give the least? Amen. Y'all with me on that? Got seven amens right there. Isn't it amazing how people, the, the ones that, that when they complain, it's because they're a tightwad. They don't want to give. But this same crowd will go buy a $500 rifle. Amen. Amen. Or, or they'll go buy, you know, I don't know what women buy. Amen. And don't, don't really. But they'll go down and buy them a dress, you know, and never think nothing about that. Or there's something else. You know, you ladies know what you spend your money on. They'll go to the paint and body shop, you know, and get their hair done and get their face all done and their eyebrows all, uh, you know, waxed or whatever they do to them. Amen. And they'll do all that stuff, you know. Uh, but you know what? When it comes to missions, some of that same crowd with them fake nails on, well, gripe about giving 25 extra dollars. Amen. Amen and amen and amen, preacher. I'm talking about, listen, uh, when you think about it this morning, uh, uh, the corruption, amen, it's just too much. I want to ask you this question. After all God has done for me and after all God has done for you and after what Jesus did at Calvary, is anything too much? Uh, is there anything that God could ever ask too much of us? Uh, he let us be born in America. He let us live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, he let us hear the gospel. He gave us a family. He gave us a good place, a church to go to, a roof over our head and shoes on their feet uh, and clothes on our back uh, and food on our table uh, and the Holy Spirit as a guide uh, who's called along the side of hell. Is it ever too much? Amen. Do you think any of us will ever stand before him and hear him say, you know, after all I've done for you, you really just did too much. You live too clean. You live too holy. You were just too dedicated. Too no, the truth is, I'm going to be honest with you. If I had a thousand lives to live, I'd give them all to the Lord. They'd never be, I could never do enough 
to repay him. I see the corruption. The corruption is this. The devil doesn't want to take away our King James Bibles and our church hymnals. No. The devil's not mad because I'm up here preaching this morning. All the devil wants to do is make it easy, as easy as possible for me and you to worship. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. It's never been more easier to be a Christian than it is right now. What is it costing me and you to be a Christian? It don't cost you anything to be saved. Amen. But living for God ought to cost us something every day of our lives. You ought to go to work and somebody make fun of you. I'm not saying go to work and stir it up. They ought to be somebody. So what? Yea, and all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. The problem in America today is because of the prosperity, and I'm not against it. Thank God for the blessing, but the prosperity and the luxuries of America has made us soft in our Christianity. Oh, this morning, for most people to pray 15 minutes is a sacrifice. To read four chapters in their Bible is a sacrifice. When men and women gave their lives, was burned at the stake, beheaded and fed to lions and bears and boiled in oil so that you and I could hold a King James Bible in our hand. I think about the corruption. Then notice the congregation, verse number 30, and I'll be through. The Bible said, and this thing became a sin. Now watch this. For the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. You know what shocks me about verse number 29 and 30? It doesn't shock me what Jeroboam did. It shocks me what the people did. I've always been amazed down through the years at how whenever a church or a preacher or whatever goes corrupt, you know what shocks me the most? The people that will follow that pathway. I would like to think this morning that if I was to stand up here and said, now church, we're going we're gonna to change the music and we're going to change the Bible. No preacher does it that way. It's a little bit at a time. You turn the dial slowly. If the music goes, the Bible will eventually. They start in the Sunday school rooms and slip it in with the literature, eventually different teachers, and then eventually, you know, you start referencing these other perversions in your message. You start getting, you desensitize people is what you do. Little by little, you make it as easy as possible for them so that conveniency is more appealing than cost. And what shocks me the most is not the preachers that do that, but it's the people. You would think somebody would stand up in this congregation. Where's the voices of someone standing up and saying, Hey, we've seen this before. Don't you know what this will bring? This will bring the judgment of God. This this is not going to work. This did not please God then, and it doesn't please God now. And I can hear Jeroboam say, Now listen, it's too much. I'm concerned about you as the people. It's just too much for you to go down to Jerusalem. And so we've got a a campus over at Bethel, and we've got a campus over at Dan, uh, and you can go to one of our campuses, and you can worship here, and and, uh, it's a little bit different. Now it's not going to be the same as what you're 
going to experience down at Jerusalem because Jerusalem is not caught up with the times. They're, they're still doing it the old way, the old time way. And, and they still sacrifice and worship. And ours is, we still have sacrifice and, and we still have worship. It's just a little more closer. It's a little more convenient for you. Now, it's going to be a little different when you get to the service uh, because uh, we're going to have some golden calves. But, but we're going to have food. We're going to have a feast. And, and we're going to have our own uh, priests. No, they're not going to be Levites. We, we've lowered that standard. And, and we're not going to demand so much out of them. But, but we'll have our priests. We'll have, we'll have a great celebration. And you're going to see all Listen, it's going to shine. When you see that calf uh, and those calves come out and you see the gold. Uh, you know, gold has always got the attention of man, you know. And they say, when you see all that, that, that glamour and that gold, you'll forget all about that, Jerusalem. It's beautiful worship. You know, when Cain and Abel went before God, they probably went to the gate of Eden because it would have been the closest place on earth you could have got to the presence of God. They couldn't go in that garden. Adam taught them, Adam taught them boys how to worship, and he taught them where to worship, and he taught them at what time to worship. And if you, was to, if you could have been standing there on that day when Cain and Abel came for worship on one side... You had Cain. His worship looked so beautiful. It was the works of man's hands. It, it had, had no blood. It had no life uh, uh, within it. But it was that fruit that had already been pulled from the vine. So it was uh, already beginning to corrupt. It was already beginning. You know, when you take that fruit off the vine, it's starting to die. you got to eat it in a matter of days uh, because its life substance has been broken. And so it starts corrupting. Amen. And so it's not connected to that vine anymore. But his, it looked beautiful. I'm sure there wasn't a spot on it anywhere. So, and and he probably staged it just right. And if you could walk by, it was just like these calves. It was beautiful. But it wasn't what God asked. Didn't have an ounce of blood in it nowhere. On the other side of, of Abel's worship, it, it wasn't beautiful. I'm going to tell you it was gory. It wasn't appealing to the, to the flesh. It wasn't appealing to the eye. There was nothing impressive uh, about a sacrifice. Uh, I mean, all it was was uh, Abel was, was covered in blood uh, uh, from head to toe. Uh, and blood was on the, the ground. And blood was on the, 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 uh, the altar. Uh, and there was ashes and smoke had, had went up. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a mess. Uh, it wasn't appealing. There was no beauty in that worship. But I'm going to tell you, when God looked down, uh, he looked beyond. Uh, uh, listen, that beauty and he saw that blood and that blood appeased the altar in heaven I'm going to tell you old time religion has never been pleasant to this world it's never been to be, never been beautiful to the eyes of the flesh but it gets the presence of God it meets God's approval God is pleased with it and no it may not look good to this world I'll tell you there's probably no better feeling than when Abel walked away from that altar knowing this that what he had done had satisfied the heart of of a thrice holy God. I tell you, when I go to church, I'm not going to see something beautiful. I'm going, my friend, to know that God is pleased with our worship. Amen. I want to say this morning, easy street. Is that what you want this morning? There's plenty of them. You can find a place where it's easy street. No demands. Preacher's not going to come saying, hey, I'm worried about you. 
I'm concerned about you. He, no, he's just as long as you pay your tithes and show up once a week, he's let you go back to your life. Is that what you want? Or do you want to be in a place where God is constantly prodding, fingering around in your soul, knocking on the door of your heart? You want to be in a place where sometimes you go to church, you feel real good, and sometimes you feel real bad. But there's always an invitation to take the bad and give it to him. And he can turn it into good. Do you want to be in a place where where you feel that presence? I'm going to tell you, I don't serve God on my feelings. But I'm so glad I can feel him. Don't you thank God that I'm telling you, you can walk in church. and, And I don't live by it, but I sure do appreciate it. I'm sure I'm, I'm glad this morning you could feel well when they started singing. It wasn't the hymn. It was him. I felt that presence. Brother Barnes got to testify. Some of these up in the choir got to testify. Brother George got to testify. I could feel that, all that breeze started blowing, didn't it? But I tell you, that, that means more than any old golden calf that you can stand back and look at. How about it this morning as we stand? I don't want easy street. I don't want to worship that that makes me feel comfortable. I want to worship the cost. I'll be honest with you, my flesh don't want to pay the price, but yet at the same time, I know it's a price worth paying. With our heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, I'm telling you, if you want to be close to God, if you're willing, if you're willing to get on an altar and say, God, I, I don't want comfortable. God, I want closeness. Lord, I'm willing to pay the price. I want to be yours. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I do not want an easy street. That doesn't mean I want a rough, rocky road, but I just don't want to be in a place where I'm always made to feel good about everything because, Lord, I'm not that good. I know I, God, I need to be in a place where you're prodding, where you're poking around in my life, where you're working, where you're putting demands and boundaries in my life and helping me. God, I, I need you to work in my life so that when others have went another way, I still, I still know what's right. While others are coming, how about you this morning? She plays. If you need to come, would you use the altar? If you want to pray in your seat, you can. But if you'd like to come, this altar's open. Folks are coming. We'll tarry for just a little while. Do you obey the Holy Spirit if he speaks to you? I, I just don't want an easy street church. I don't want to fall into what we're seeing. This is not the new normal for us. Amen. It's not how it's going to always be by the grace of God. Amen. We don't want an easy street. God, would you put some young person, you want a blessed life, surrender to God. Whatever the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart about right now, you ought to surrender that to Him. You ought to give it to Him. So, preacher, it's so hard to give up some things. Oh, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. I'm telling you, when you surrender something to God, there's victory in that surrender. If you'll honor Him, He will honor you. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. So it's not easy, no, but it always pays. Don't take the easy street. It's too much. There's never too much. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you.
If you'll seek God, He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He knows the best. He knows what's best for us. His life is the best life. And God, God will bless you if you'll honor Him. Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you for God, all that you've done for us. We thank you for the songs this morning. Thank you for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God, I realize this morning we could not preach without you. We need you, God. Oh, Lord, we couldn't worship without you. God, help us to never, never, never get the attitude that service and sacrifice is too much. Oh, God, help us to never complain about what we do for you. It's not too much. Oh, Lord, help us this morning to be faithful. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.